Hi Triber, we're back for the next season. Smart Girl Tribe has grown to become the UK's number one female empowerment organisation. We have an event series, a digital magazine, a membership platform and this podcast. What can you expect from us? Interviews from women all over the world who are driving change and pushing the needle forward. From actors to activists, to CEOs and conflict photographers, to the brains behind some of the world's largest corporations. When you're not tuned in every Wednesday at 6pm, then make sure you're chatting to fellow unapologetically ambitious women in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or sharing our ever so inspirational content on Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe. Back in 2014, two friends, Celia and Alec, came up with the idea to create sustainable period products. Having only launched 18 months ago, they have created the world's first reusable tampon applicator with the aim to cut plastic pollution from periods. As a result of my job, I am sent a myriad of period products every month, but this one in particular really caught my eye. Every aspect of Dame is helping the planet, the homeless and women worldwide. In this episode, Celia and I get to the nitty gritty, but we also dive into the success of the brand, how they approached investors, how to go about securing international media attention, and the real journey behind the exemplary headlines, including the challenges of being a mother and balancing self-care while building an empire. So starting off, Celia, everything you are achieving with Dame, we are obviously completely on board with at Smart Girl Tribe. Can you just share with our listeners exactly what dame is and how much plastic a woman saves each month by using your products sure um and thanks so much for having me on yeah dame um we're a company who our our mission is to improve the world for women and we're doing that by making period products for the planet and the first one we've made is a reusable tampon applicator because There are just hideous stats out there Mm -hmm. of how much plastic goes into a woman's period. You know, on average, every woman uses 11,000 tampons in her lifetime. So that's 11,000 plastic applicators if you're using them, which the majority of the women in the UK are. 11,000 plastic applicators, which are used for about two seconds and then chucked away. And because these have touched the body, they've got blood on them, they can't be recycled. You know, these things are going into landfill at best or the ocean at worst. And it's just something that when we were looking at those stats, it was just too much. Like, I think on average, it's something like 1.3 billion tampons are thrown away every year. And it was just too big. So we thought, okay, like, let's dig into it a bit more. Why, Why is this happening? Because there are other products out there that people can use. There are cups, there are cloth pads. Why... Why is it, aren't many people really using them? And, you know, when we really went out there and asked a lot of people, the big thing that came back was it was just too scary to move from a tampon, which you trusted and used all your life, to a cup. And so mm-hmm. we thought, okay, this is insane. We know that we've got a limited amount of time to make a real difference mm-hmm. um, in terms of plastic waste. So why don't we create a product which bridges that gap, which makes it a small step for, the, for a woman or a user? And, and that's what we did. And we basically have made an applicator where the only difference is you just don't throw it away. You rinse it under cold water. There's no need for boiling, sterilizing, because we've made it antimicrobial. Um, and that's it. It's so, so simple. 
So talking about the journey, Celia, obviously you had this idea. Was it very much that you sat down and almost drew a picture of what you wanted it to look like, a business plan, a business proposal? What did the first few days look like? How did you go about it? How did it go from idea to reality? Oh my God, I wish it had gone. <laughs> no, completely not at all. It was, it was the opposite. We started out with a very different idea and and we changed it halfway through so we we originally started out selling all the products that we ate mm-hmm. we was we wanted to to offer women a choice and a convenience around their period where we didn't feel that there was a good enough voice a good enough messaging around it you know all we were saying was things that were calling calling it discreet, calling your period discreet, saying that you needed to be quiet on your period and all the rest of it. And we thought, no, come on, let's let's pep it up with a bit of a better branding and we can do this subscription service and send people these products. But then we actually got into it. And we were selling them, but mm-hmm. we did the products that we were selling. We were just like, why are we giving people all this rubbish? And we were also selling reusable products like cups and pads, but, but no one was really buying them. And... It was then when we thought, okay, look, we can actually, you know, we're a small enough company, we can make a difference in this. Why don't we actually go and see if we can create our own product and and put something out there that is genuinely doing good, that we are really totally behind. And, you know, with our applicator and with the tampons that we sell, which are organic cotton, they're biodegradable, they don't have any funky substances in them at all <laughs> that was it's just so important to us for to start from scratch and really do something that wholeheartedly we were proud of do you think someone is born an entrepreneur or becomes an entrepreneur because obviously you went and dived completely in and for a lot of our listeners listening in they're going to think oh my gosh i've had an amazing idea but i'm really really nervous to actually put it into action what would you say to them have you always had that entrepreneurial spirit in you yeah I just like to to let everyone know that I was not that person Mm -hmm. 100% I was not that person I am a very uh I'm a warrior I'm a details focused person I I never ever dreamt that I would start my own business but the one thing I guess if I was really critical, like looking back on myself, I hated being told what to do and more specifically what not to do. Mm-hmm. It really, I sort of, the whole sort of contrarian in me came out. But but no, I spent most of my 20s sort of hiding away in a really safe job, not pushing myself. And, and I'm actually married to someone who is an entrepreneur and he does push himself and he's very much that type of person. And mm-hmm. I always thought, God, I would never want to do that. But then suddenly something happened and I really have a change of heart and and it's forced me to push myself in directions that I never dreamed possible so I guess the kind of big message is is that don't think just because you don't fit that classic entrepreneur positive I can do anything profile it doesn't mean that you can't start your own thing Mm -hmm. because I think it's really important for everyone to realize there's a whole spectrum of people who are successful business runners It's so fascinating because I'm very much this person as well. I started Smart Girl Tribe when I was a teenager, so when I was 19, from my dorm room. And I remember speaking to other leaders and business owners and they always said, I was the child at school that was selling sweets. I was coming in and trying to sell toys. 
I was just never, ever, ever that person. I was like yourself, I was a worrier and I didn't even know what a business proposal was or anything like that. So I do stress to people that you don't need a business degree or an economics qualification to be able to start. You're so right. And it's it's that kind of thing where you read about it and you hear about it. Like, yeah, I got up at 4 a.m. and I was Mm. selling this, doing that. And I'm like, God, I don't do that at all. (laughs) I'm possible if I can. And and I don't want that to put off people because Mm -hmm. anyone can do it. You really can. You you find new strengths from within and you you challenge yourself in different ways. And you also surround yourself with lots of different people. So where you might not have a strength, someone else does. And I think it's, yeah, it's just really important to realise that just because you don't fit the classic profile doesn't mean you shouldn't give it a shot. Absolutely. Now, you said you were in a fairly safe job. What did your life look like? before you created Dame, alongside your co-founder, who we have to mention as well, Alec. <laughs> yeah, good old Alec. <laughs> um, my, my life, like I said, was it was really lovely, but it was really safe. Mm-hmm. It was kind of doing, doing a job, making sure that I, I did enough, but I was never really sort of out of my comfort zone that much. Um, I sort of had always had like high expectations of myself, but I had a really deep fear of failure. So therefore, I massively stayed inside my comfort zone. And and I think the kind of real catalyst change was actually sort of having my first child. It mm. was, you know, that throws you so much and it turns you upside down and it makes you really sort of evaluate where you want your life to go. And that sort of started me out trying to think about what my next challenge was going to be. And, and I knew I wanted to do something female centric. I knew I wanted to do something, something within that space, but I didn't know what it was. And so it came to sort of me and Alec who were friends just chatting and talking about periods for some bizarre reason over like quite a few bottles of wine and, and it sort of span out of there. Wow. That's such an inspiring story. So what year was that how long did it actually take before you had a sample in your hands so that conversation gosh I'm gonna have to remember it was like 2014 (laughs) somewhere Mm -hmm. around there and you know we're now in 2020 and it was only we only launched this product on Kickstarter in 2018 so you know it took us a long time to get to there but at that point we were running we were running the subscription business so Mm -hmm. we were we were trading and we were getting customers and, you know, we were doing all that e-commerce, but, but no, it was, it was the first time I think we actually got the product in our hand was end of 2018, like Mm -hmm. the proper, like finished product. And that was amazing. Wow. So when did Alec come on board? You said it started as a conversation. Did you then both go together and approach investors before you launched it on kickstarter yeah so we yeah we both did it together and we we did that classic lean approach we did everything you know we we did a sort of off-the-shelf website we sent things out you know my i remember my baby daughter like running around in loads of tampons (laughs) (laughs) it was all really basic and then it it kind of just grew from there it was a it was a classic case of don't look up the mountain just look Mm. at your feet moving one step in front of the other um and that's how we eventually got ourselves to the kickstarter and the kickstarter was the real critical point because up until then it had just been Alec and I 
thinking that it was a good idea and we really needed to test if the market thought it and I think that's always the kind of really critical thing Mm. you've got to have market validation otherwise there's not a business how were you able to test the product and the market without sharing exactly what you were achieving what you were doing behind the scenes I think from having the subscription service straight off the bat, we were already testing products, Mm -hmm. but we were testing it through other people's products. So we were already understanding what consumers wanted, how they purchased, um, all the, the marketing and the tools that we needed in order to get that. And from there on, we used, um, test cases, customers, all that to test the new products that we were producing. Oh, wow. So you actually had a lot of evidence before you started that was able to back up your product, essentially. Yeah, I mean, we'd had like a few years in the game where we we were very assured of the sector. Um, and I think that's, it is quite critical to actually know who your audience is, what their pain point is, because otherwise, quite often, you're creating a solution for potentially a problem that's not out there. Mm-hmm. And your whole mission, obviously this is very much, you are in the organic space. When were you drawn to that or did you just decide off the bat that as a consequence of launching this product, you almost became more invested in living organically and plastic free and that's when you really decided to be an advocate for this kind of living? I think, so we're a B Corp and... Mm -hmm. B Corp is amazing, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but B Corp is all about companies who are trying to use business as a force for good. And once you get on board with that, that runs through every single vein of your company. And so therefore, if you're going to do something like tackle the plastic waste issue within menstrual products, you're not then going to provide a standard synthetic tampon like there is on the market. You're going to go for the best for a woman's body mm-hmm. and that is right now organic cotton because it doesn't have any pesticides in it it doesn't have any fragrances no synthetics it doesn't have fiber loss the same as a standard tampon does it's it's a much better choice and and that runs through our veins in all aspects of our business so our um packages that we send out to our customers they're all from old boxes that have been repurposed because quite frankly, the world does not need another Amazon box. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we use homeless people to come and pack our tampons because we want to be able to help people back onto the streets. And actually some of our packers, since through being on us, have actually got permanent roles in other places. That's incredible. It's all just about trying to find little ways which you can change things, make a difference. And yes, it sometimes affects your bottom line and it sometimes affects your revenue, but that's what's important for us is it's not purely about the bottom line. Now I'm sure your whole journey hasn't been completely rosy. Can you just talk us through the hardest day you have had so far? Being a business owner myself, I have had many. <laughs> oh my god, so many horrible hard days. I um I guess I think the real hard one was so when we were deciding to pivot the business and change and do this new product. This was at a time, and it was before Blue Planet 2 and David Attenborough had come out, and we were having to go, and we had a couple of investors, a few investors, and we had to go and persuade them that this was the right idea, and obviously all of them were like, why, what are you doing, why would you do this? 
and you know we had to really sort of back it up and and at the same time you know to pivot is a big thing and and I remember sort of my head sort of spinning thinking is this the right thing to do and I went and spoke to this person who was a bit of a mentor and I went and I sat down with him and we chatted for about an hour and a half and at the end I asked the really sort of fateful question you know do you think I should do this and he said no I don't and I remember walking away thinking god I wow Mm. and then I thought do you know what if I don't just try and if I don't try and just get this prototype out and get it onto Kickstarter and see what happens I know that I'll kick myself and that was amazing because it sort of gave me the sort of self-validation to to push to the next stage and it's always just pushing to the next stage you never really know what comes after Um, but that was definitely a really really hard day for someone who's a warrior really difficult. Now I can imagine of course have you found it difficult approaching investors who typically tend to be middle-aged men and just walking into a room and wanting to discuss periods oh my god definitely we've had this product being called niche we've had people i had one investor who wouldn't look me in the eye because he couldn't really talk about he didn't know what the subject was going to be so he was a bit sort of um bombarded about that but he I've had other people who said it's too early to talk about it. I've had someone who basically said because I had children that I would be distracted from oh the business. Oh my gosh. Um, all sorts. But then you've got to take them with a pinch because there are so many people out there who are amazing and really get on board with it. And, you know, like I said, we pivoted our company and we had these incredible investors who well once we showed them and we really laid out a sound business plan for them they were like okay cool we get it we'll we'll follow you we believe in you and and that's those kind of people lift you up past the people who are just not right from the get-go when approaching investors in your experience have you ever felt that you are maybe being judged slightly more because you're a woman have you ever experienced inequality in that room because obviously your co-founder Alex a man or have you experienced total equality I think I've, I've always noticed that between the two of us we have experienced total equality I've never I don't think I've had anything where one question has been more directed at the other mm-hmm. um and I think sort of naturally both Alec and I can talk just as well as each other um and sometimes not very well at all Um, but but no it's it's a funny thing I think definitely how how you walk into a room how you sit how you present yourself um me and my sister were joking the other day about like sitting like a barmer you know sit down over the room kind of thing that immediately sets you up as someone who is to be listened to and I think we've always tried to kind of go in and do that. And also always, if in doubt, just be quiet. Don't talk too much. Mm. Just sit and nod if you don't understand the answer. I think that's always been a big thing for us. No, I think that's really, really sound advice. Obviously, I started this very, very young. So I didn't have much experience with investors at all. And I can honestly say it's one of those questions that comes up and that I'm asked about frequently. Naturally sometimes if you're a woman you've been sort of 
socially trained to doubt yourself. I think give yourself more credit than you think straight off. Mm -hmm. Like don't dismiss yourself straight away, which is such an inclination to do. Um, But I think the whole, and, and also do something that you care about, really, really care about, because there will be tough times the whole time. There will be lots and lots of tough times. So if it's something you really genuinely care about, you're happy to ride through the tough times because you believe in it. If it's something you kind of medium believe in, when you hit that tough time and they will always come, you know, that inevitably could be something that that wobbles you a bit too much. But I think it's always going back to that first thing of like find the pain point and a genuine pain point, not one that you've just made up or only is relevant to a few people and find the audience for it. Because if you've got that pain point and you've got that audience, then you've got a business. You obviously have to talk about periods now, Celia, I assume, every single day. Do you think if you were, if you had maybe come up with a different kind of product, your journey would have been slightly easier because maybe if you had invented something else, it wouldn't have been so hush-hush? Oh my God, totally. Periods Mm. are the most hush-hush difficult thing. And also there's sort of, I remember someone telling me like you should only start a business which you'd be sort of happy to discuss down the pub because otherwise it won't come on social media. Like no one wants to talk about periods on social Mm -hmm. media. And actually that's kind of changed because, you know, in the last few years, the amount of um, chat that's happened around menstruation is amazing. But yes, it's a really difficult subject matter because, you know, even when we're talking to retailers, um, supermarkets, supermarkets mostly want to, to sort of promote food and drink. They don't really want to promote tampons that much and talk about them and feature them in magazines. Um, but for us, it's really critical. It's really important because actually that topic, that conversation is so vital and ha- feeds through into so many other facets of life. You know, you're thinking about something where it's a woman, it's her body, it's how she feels about herself, it's how men look at her it's about how men interact with that part of the body and if they can understand menstruation more they can empathize with women more it's it's a very critical function of the body which sadly is overlooked quite often it's such an intimate area i find of women's lives and i know i was told when i was very young to not talk about my cycle in front of my brothers or in public what do you think we can start doing to change this and break the stigma other than talking it's it's a really interesting question and i think definitely starting like everything like starting off with kids like start getting some proper proper literature to teach them in schools and teach boys and girls together have a, like a cohesive plan, make sure that it's not just a topic that's talked about once and never again, talk about it every year, talk about it alongside things like consent and evolve the conversations so that kids can grow up understanding it and understanding the different facets. Um, you know, the sort of hiding things up your sleeve aspect of it, that's got to change. It's got to become normalized and amazingly social media is helping to do that it's opening up the conversation like I remember when I was younger you would talk about it once and then that was it you never really talked about it Mm. again apart from maybe if you ask your friend if you could borrow a tampon or something whereas now yeah there are more groups people can comment on it and ask questions and that's amazing so the more and more that can 
spin out and amplify the better. Have you faced any resistance when building and promoting Dame? No, like I said, sometimes from the sort of retail sector, we can be get pushed back because we're not sort of food and drink. And sometimes I'm like, God, I wish I started a cupcake company. I would not be having any of these. <laughs> um, but no, funny enough, since we we changed the business and we moved on to doing this product, it's it's been received incredibly well. And I think that's because, you know, we're we've hit a time when the consumer has now woken up to the plastic crisis that's out there and realize that they want to make change, but they need help making that change. And so therefore retailers, journalists are all looking for companies like ours who are trying to help enforce that change in, in very easy, simple ways. And so therefore it's been incredible, the kind of open arms that we've been getting from so many people from not just companies but also consumers saying you know I've been wanting something like this thank you so much yeah of course for our listeners going through maybe their period for the first time what would you say Celia I'd say sort of engage with your body ask questions about your body realize that you've got other options out there not just the one that's presented to you talk to people about it you know it's it really impacts the rest of your life. If you don't engage with your body, with your vagina, with your period, it, it can impact how you view that area of your body going forward into other areas of your life. And so really just realize that it's normal and and engage with it and, and talk about it and share. And, and there are so many places now that you can do it, which I wish had been the case when I was younger that you can go and find out and talk and, and read about it. So I think really sort of dig in, basically. Being such an expert now in this field, can I ask what will you be telling your daughter when she gets her first period? And will it be different to what you were told and taught? So I actually have already talked to her about it since she was tiny. And I don't know if anyone That's amazing. Got- well, if anyone's got kids, you know that basically kids just follow you into the bathroom and just stand there while, while you're in there. And so when they're sort of peering in between your legs and asking, you know, what's that? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to be normal about it and tell her. And so she's very, very um, aware of it. She obviously doesn't understand probably the full reproductive reasons for it, but that's what I'll get to as she grows older and I'll keep talking to her about it. And I think that's what I want to to aim for is to have an ongoing conversation with her so that as she grows older she finds out little pieces more that she can understand and engage with so that when it actually comes it's not something that's scary or frightening it's just something that she's you know she's aware of and she knew was going to happen for any of our listeners who have just listened to that and they think oh my gosh i have a daughter she's really young i would love to have that kind of conversation what can they specifically say or even if they haven't got a daughter maybe they have a son and they want to introduce them to you know this and what we go through each month etc what advice would you give how would you approach the situation i think if you're because quite a lot of the time people i think are, are apprehensive of getting the terminology wrong getting the processes wrong 
And so I think if you're nervous about that, just go and read about it first. Go, you know, make sure that you go to proper websites. So go to NHS, go to proper medical websites and read about the process to re-familiarize yourself. Because to be honest, we all learned biology, but we've all forgotten it ages ago. So just re-familiarize yourself with it and then sit down maybe with some of that literature in front of you Mm -hmm. and have like an open and honest conversation and get that child to ask questions. I think the whole point of that conversation is more than one person talking. So don't just talk at them, get them to ask questions and then you can discuss it together and you can learn together. I think that's what lots of kids really enjoy. They love engaging and participating. Is there anything you wish they would teach about women's health on the whole in schools nowadays? Yeah, I think, I just, I believe the whole issue around bodies and consent and all the kind of range of options for women and choice, I just think the more you can open girls' minds up to that, and boys, I think it's so critical for boys to be involved in the conversations as well, the better, because, you know, and again, harking back to my days at school, like, we we weren't taught in that way, we were taught sort of one or two lessons, and then that's it, and I think having ongoing conversations, um, it allows people to ask questions where at first they might have been shy and they didn't want to, Um, but it really sort of brings people together and again it normalizes everything I think just making things normal is so important because definitely when you're at school all you want to do is giggle at this stuff Mm -hmm. no it's so true it's really critical that we start having I feel especially with teenagers young adults we start actually having adult conversations with them and we start discussing these things so you know from when they're a young age so when they do reach adolescence it's completely normalized and it's no longer something that we you know keep hush hush about or aren't allowed to discuss with our siblings and things like this so I do you can do it in age appropriate ways where it's you know the the child can understand it like if you're going to bombard a five-year-old with you know the inner workings of the womb that's just too (laughs) much you can do it in, in in ways that as they get older they learn a little bit more Going back to the business side, how did you break down your and Alex roles? This is something I'm actually really fascinated by because I was the sole founder when I started Smart Girl Tribe and because I started it when I was so young, when I was a teenager, I never even thought about taking on a co-founder. So what are the pros and cons of that relationship? I think you're so brave to have started it by yourself. (laughs) so brave I I love having a co-founder I think it's like one of the best things in the world because you'll inevitably go through times where one of you is feeling low or feeling disillusioned and the other one's there to pick them up and having that balance that yin and yang that voice of reason and that sparring partner is really really important like Alec weirdly enough we and none of it was pre-planned. We, we share completely the same values and vision, but we come at it from very, very different ways. Alec is this broad brush, blue skies, big creative thinker, whereas I'm the kind of, like I said, the warrior, the details, like the how are we going to get there? Um, 
and I think what did we once describe each other as he's basically think outside the box and I'm colour inside the lines but wants to break so that whole like duality really works well for us because it means that we know we want to end up in the same place but we're going to push each other in in healthy ways to get there talking about um the kind of business side and really getting into it and the challenges you face other than funding what is maybe the most common obstacle you face day to day i think focus okay focus when you're a startup you've got so many different things pulling for your attention because you're doing so many different jobs and you've got so many different opportunities happening and you want to say yes to everything and you want to do everything because you know that you might not get this opportunity again but having the focus to remember who you are, what you're trying to do, what your resources are at that point is really critical because it's very easy to get distracted and and maintaining that focus um, is critical. Otherwise, the whole thing, you can spread yourself too thin too easily. Other than being focused, what do you think, Celia, are maybe three traits you need to be able to succeed in business? Three traits, I think... You know what, I'm, I'm going to be really annoying and say I, I don't think you can boil it down for three traits mm-hmm. because, again, it goes back to that thing of I feel if I say three traits and someone out there feels that they need to be that and I, I think you have inside of you what you know can push you through to be successful in business and by boiling it down to three, it probably... I'm just, I'm just trying to avoid like disillusioning mm-hmm. anyone. I think, I think anyone, if they've got determination inside of them and grit, I think they can, they can go out and do it. No, I do, I do agree. It's interesting because I say often, so I'm a motivational speaker as well. When I go and talk at schools and universities, I always say there are thousands of women who could probably be doing what I'm doing. But the difference is perseverance. And I think a lot of women in particular tend to think, oh, if she's succeeding, you know, obviously she has this special superwoman kind of power that I don't possess when I always try and stress that actually everything you need, you already have inside of you. It's just a matter of taking the next step. Completely. You're so right. I think we all seem to be like those robots with the scanners with our mm-hmm. vision and we scan the person in front of us who's really successful and sees like do they have any traits like us are we like them yeah and it's not the right approach you need to be looking internally and thinking right do i believe in it do i really want to pursue it do i want to work hard at it and and that's the kind of thing that you need to be paying attention to and i have found that even when you do you achieve a certain amount of success maybe if you like even when you've maybe made it I hate saying that it sounds so cliche but when it is full time when it's profitable when it's working even when you're at that point I mean take me for instance now all last summer I was reading books by these incredible business leaders and inspirational people and they were all saying they get up at 5am and there's me thinking oh my gosh what have I been doing I have not been waking (laughs) up at 5am quite clearly I'm never ever going to be as successful as them it's really tough because even when you're there you look at other people around you and you still see that they have this 
you know, superhero power, they have something that maybe you don't have, which is, isn't going to enable you to be able to go after all of your dreams and some. Totally. And I think that's the thing It's to be mindful, to be like, yeah, there are those people out there who can get up at 5am, but you don't need to do that to be Mm. successful. You don't need to do all of the above. It takes many different types of people in order to do this. And there are some out there who that's the way that they can do it. There are some out there who don't. I just, I think it does a disservice to everyone by sort of pushing this um, superhero lifestyle on other people where actually, you know, you can be lazy and lie in bed. Mm -hmm. You can sometimes sit in a meeting and have a, you know, elevator music going on in your head while someone else is talking. (laughs) That doesn't mean that that things aren't going to work out because that's just life. People are messy and fallible, but they're also brilliant at the same time. And I think everyone's got to remember there's a big a big mix in everyone. Obviously, being a business owner is very tough and we've discussed some of those challenges. How do you, Celia, switch off and unwind? Um, so I've got kids, so I don't really... <laughs> <laughs> just never, just never. I basically get... Um, what did I do last night? I had two children jumping on me whilst we were singing the Frozen Two song, which is a <laughs> thing. Um, no, I one thing I do love is I love walking. I walk, you know, to and from work, and that for me is a real sort of get the stress of the day out. It's like that's where I can feel calm that's where I can call people I can listen to podcasts I can listen to music or I can just not listen to anything and just walk and think and and that is kind of my zen time I love it so much now we do have to get into some of the nitty-gritty the logistics if you like you have received I mean the brand itself has really really grown so huge congratulations on all of your success when it comes to that Celia the PR, if you like, did you contact, in this case, magazines yourself? How did you build momentum around Dame when starting out, when it was just an idea? So we really started kind of going out um, when we were doing the Kickstarter and we had teeny tiny budget, mm-hmm. but we had amazing PR people and, and they put the word out. But I think, again, it was this we hit the right time and we ended up getting the most incredible press from actually sort of all around the world featuring us. You know, I think we've had sort of people from Mexico filming us. We've had people from Germany. We've had all around the world, people sort of wanting to find out about it. And, and I think that's been amazing because it just shows that if you find something that resonates with the community then the community want to talk about it and and I'm so happy that the community is wanting to find out about reusable products not just ours but in general because that's amazing that's awesome that means that that people are wanting to make change and and it's just so exciting that that those doors are automatically for the likes of us and other people do you still use the same PR people now as you used back then Yes, we do. That's amazing to hear. I always find that it's really interesting when you're meeting and talking with people who have almost made it, you know, who was at the beginning, who's almost at the middle, if you in the middle, if you like. Um, 
no that's a really really that's a great positive you inspire so many celia i have to ask who inspires you so it's a really good question and i think it it's a really difficult one because it changes the whole time Mm -hmm. and I feel like there's not just one person who who always sits there as an inspiration because I just see all these people doing different things like I think one of my big points recently was I went and stood really pregnant and watched people run the Hackney Half Marathon where I live Mm -hmm. and seeing all these different people from all walks of life, all different uh, fitness abilities, coming and doing it, I just, it it literally made me well up. I was like, wow, that's so inspiring. These people are all coming there for all different reasons. Mm -hmm. And they're in a very personal space. Like when you watch people run a marathon, you can see they're very in their own headspace. And, And it's incredible to watch because I think, gosh, they've all, put themselves out there and really trying for many different ways and that's the kind of thing which really kind of gets me going and gets my juices flowing just like when I see people doing random acts of kindness to other people in front of me you know whether and people who they don't even know like people on the street I think that's just inspirational and so for me it's it's never just one person it's lots of little different acts. Wow that's a really really interesting answer to that question I've never heard of anything you know like that usually people respond with somebody political or a celebrity but that's actually really really interesting I like that I've always said you know the reason why I started this podcast was to showcase the women on the ground who are driving change you know who are laying such a strong foundation so that's a really really nice answer now, Celia, being Smart Girl Tribe, I would like to ask, what does feminism mean to you? And would you say Dame is a feminist business? So I'm definitely a feminist. <laughs> Always have been. That's feminist, good to hear. <laughs> feminist for me means, yeah, it means, you know, equality. It means equality between the sexes, between genders, between spinning out into feather, between races, between between everything. And... And for me, a large part of that is choice, is allowing people to have the choice, whether that person wants to be a stay-at-home mum or whether that person wants to go out and work. All, all manner of different choice, whether that person wants to wear all pink or whether that person doesn't want to wear what's traditionally called female clothes at all. I think that's just so important for me, to, for people to be able to have that choice and have that equality. And Dame, yeah, Dame supports that wholeheartedly. That's incredible to hear again, Celia. I did know that. It's such a fantastic brand and business and you really do have such a strong ethos. You're completely, in this case, equal because that's what we're discussing, just equality, and I think it's fab. Lastly, what are... I have two final questions. What are the five essential reads you would recommend to our listeners? So five essential reads, I would really recommend Factfulness by Hans Rosling. It's just like, it's an incredible book. It, it, it makes you really think about all, everything that you're being told and the dread that you can feel from that and actually getting you to reason it and to really look at the facts and to really 
constructively criticize the information that you're getting. Um, another one I read recently was Creativity Inc., which is mm-hmm. by a guy who started at Pixar, which is just an amazing book about how how to foster creativity and how to engage with it and to use it to its best potential. Mm-hmm. Um, another one was oh, Let My People Surf by the guy who started um, Patagonia, who's just a total legend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. If anyone's read that, that's just an amazing discovery of, of three women and their lives and how they intersect. And yeah, it's just really, really powerfully written. And then I guess I have to think of the fifth one, which <laughs> but actually even Confederacy of Dunces. Okay. I saw that the other day on my bookshelf and it's just, yeah, it's a brilliant book. And finally, Celia, what is the mantra you live by or your favourite quote? I think favourite mantra is, is is Demo. It's something I kind of made up myself. It okay. basically hit me, hit me at a time when um, I was being very indecisive and I was sitting on decisions for ages and stagnating and paralysing because of it. And... And basically, suddenly, through discussions with my husband, it was like, why am I doing this? I'm seeing, and it was my cousin in particular, who was just really, like, made a decision, and then she made it. And even if it was a wrong decision further down the line, like, for example, she just decided that she wanted to get some bunny rabbits for her kids, (laughs) and then realised that kids were actually sort of only a year old, and bunny rabbits were really not working well, and she couldn't deal with it. So she then found someone else who wanted to buy them off her, and she sold them on. And I was just like, gosh, she just makes these decisions, and she just goes for it. And... And demo came from that. It's basically do it, move on. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise around it is like make that decision. And if it's wrong, you can make another decision further down the line to fix it. But just don't stand there treading water, not moving, because that's the worst thing of all. I love that. I'm going to start using it. Yeah, you've it's got really a demo. powerful. <laughs> but it's so short, it's so easy to remember. Yeah, get it out there do it i'll trademark it at some point no you absolutely should yeah i think the smart girl tribe team members are going to love that one well thank you so much celia for coming on today it's been an absolute pleasure oh thank you so much it's been so good talking to you massive well done you because i honestly having a daughter it terrifies me that i don't want her to kind of Mm. grow up with a kind of single single vision view which i think can, can happen so easily No, completely. Well, again, Celia, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. It was amazing to finally meet you. Have a fab rest of the day and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon.